I'm going to invite you to turn with me. Turn with me, if you would, Genesis 45. And uh, we'll read, we're going to read in Genesis 45 and then in 2 Timothy. Genesis 45 and 25. We're going to read 25, 26, 27, and 28. Genesis 45, 25. The Bible says, Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still, because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph has said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. And then turning to 2 Timothy, chapter number 1. And we'll just read one verse of Scripture here. Verse number 6. Second Timothy 1 Timothy 1.6 says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on my hands. Amen. And I want to just uh, speak on that for the next little bit. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Would you help me pray this morning? Lay your Bibles down and just lift your voice in this place with me right now. Lord, we love you this morning. God, we're so thankful to be in your house. God, what a privilege, what an honor it is, Lord, to stand here today. God, I ask right now that you would begin to speak to us. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts, our minds of understanding. God, I pray that we would stir up that gift that is inside of us today. God, I pray that you would anoint us today, God. Let your anointing flow and let your will be accomplished in this house, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. I want to ask a question, just and kind of uh, help me out here this morning, just uh, take a little survey. Um, how many of you in here today have had the Holy Ghost over one year? Just by rate. Wow. How many of you have had the Holy Ghost over five years? Wow. Awesome. 10 years, staying strong, 15 years, 20, 20 years, 20 years, 25 years, how about 30, we're starting to get there, 40 years, just trying to figure out how old everybody is, anybody over 50 years, some of you are counting up the years right now, <laughs> wow, 50 years. So, man, most of you, how many, raise it one more time for 40, 40 years, 35, 35 years, over 35 years. Okay. Man, quite a bit. That's awesome. That's amazing. What a wonderful thing that we have, the spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen. What a wonderful gift that is. Amen. Everybody does realize it is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Gifts are, gifts are a good thing. And I've had the Holy Ghost since, uh, since 2002, 
2002 sophomore in in high school my my story I don't have time to go into all of it today but uh, my mom happened to get a job at a place in Pinkyville and her cubicle was right next to a Pentecostal woman amen just happened to be the pastor's daughter of Pinkyville uh, church and so you know how Pentecostals do we just gotta we got to talk about the Lord and we've got to invite people to church and thank God because she was able to witness to my mom who didn't receive it right away uh, but uh, somehow it got to us us kids and uh, all me and uh, all, all four of my brothers uh, three of us so four of us total uh, were all baptized filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and uh, at, a, at a very young age, and eventually that poured over into uh, our parents and, and family. And I look out today, I see my grandma sitting here, and uh, she has background in Pentecost way before I was ever even thought of. But the Holy Ghost is an amazing thing. And so I'm kind of talking about stirring up that gift that, that Paul told Timothy, said, it is in you. Would you say that with me this morning? In you. It's in you. It's in you. And I believe that, I believe that all along your, your walk with God, there are moments, there are times, uh, and a lot of times that we need to be revived. We need to be revived. You, here's the thing. You don't just get a blessing. You don't just get a salvation certificate. And that's what we do when we baptize people we, we, and they get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We give them this certificate that they put on their desk, they hang on their wall, uh, just kind of as a reminder of the date uh, of when you were baptized in Jesus' name. But the deal is, is you don't just get that certificate and dust the dust off of everything every once in a while and show people that you've been born again and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have to have continual, all, you have to have continual, all along touches with God. You have to have encounters with God that revive your spirit. You see, the Bible says in John 3 and 3, it says you must be born again. Amen. We know that scripture well. I mean, we've heard it preached on. It's, it's one of the uh, foundational scriptures in our doctrine. You must be born again. And, and in a broader sense, when Jesus said that, you must be born again, I believe that he was also saying that some things in your life must be born again in order for us to see and enter the kingdom of heaven and all that God has for us. Okay, you cannot get a salvation blessing that happened to you 15, 20, 25 years ago or even five years ago and have no passion or zeal for God and think that you're going to enter in and have all that God has for you. But some things have to be born again. Faith has to be born again. When you, when you've walked with God for a few years, your, your hope has to be born again. Your, 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 your vision has to be born again. Your enthusiasm has to be born again. Your passion for God 
has to be born again. And understand this this morning, that as you go through life, you also go through seasons of life. And each season is different. And some, some are good and some are bad. And some are better than the previous one. And some are worse than the previous one. And so you go through seasons. You go through highs and lows. And so your hope has to be born again. And your vision and your, your passion for the things of God have to be born again. Your prayer life. Your prayer life will go through highs and lows. You'll be, you'll have to get in some services where, where your prayer life gets born again. Where your passion for prayer and, and fasting and, 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 and doing those things gets born again. Your praise, your praise and your worship has to get born again. Or you'll just come in here and stand around and just go through the motions. Uh, and, and just kind of punch in the time clock, so to speak, and just to say, hey, I was at church today. I was one of those, I was one of those numbers on the boards this morning. But your praise has to get born again. And when you've gone through a valley and when you've gone through a crisis and you get on the other side of that, your praise does get born again, right? Amen. That's when nobody has to beg you to raise your hands. That's when nobody has to say, hey, hey, you know, raise up your hands and say, Lord, I love you. Because when you go through a crisis, your faith gets born again. That's why God sometimes, I believe, lets us go through some things. Amen. To kind of show us some things, to open up our eyes. Amen. To see what God has for us. Because our faith has to be born again or we'll just settle into just a religious routine. We'll just settle into going through the motion. You see, there must be a newness. There must be a freshness in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. There has to be a revival on the inside. I believe that what stops us from having a full blown out revival is personal revival. I believe that. I believe that revival is waiting on each and every one of us to have our own personal revival. For us to be revived on the inside. For our hope to be revived. Our peace and our joy to be revived. Our praise and our worship to be born again. I believe that. You see, there must be this newness. There must be a freshness in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want to just go through the motions. I I don't want to just come in here and and just do my thing and sing my song. And I know we've sung this song before. And I don't want to, if I do that, I, I, I will leave exactly how I came. Friends, and that is not what you want. That is not what you want. I feel sorry for somebody today if you leave here the same way you came. I feel sorry for you. I really do. Because what Jesus Christ is here offering today is something fresh. It is something new. It is something powerful. And if you walked in here today feeling like your praise may be a little off, or your joy might be down, or your hope, or your vision, or or your dreams aren't thing, I'm here to tell you, He's here to revive those things. Amen? When you look at the book of Revelation, everything is new. There's nothing that is old. Amen? Everything is new. That's... uh, uh. Everything is new. There's no old streets. There's no old gates. There's no old anything. Everything that is in heaven is made new. And Romans 7, 6 says, But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. If you don't watch it, 
You will just start serving God out of the oldness of religion and not out of a born-again spirit with a passion for God. Amen. You'll just get to the place where it's just an oldness of law instead of a newness of spirit. And the challenge that we have before us today as Christians is to not let anything steal our zeal, to not let anything paralyze our passion for God. And if you don't watch it, something just gets a hold of you and church just becomes routine and it's just something that we do in here and then we walk out and it doesn't affect us the rest of the week church Sunday is the beginning of the week not Monday and some of you are waiting on your week to start on Monday and God's trying to start it right now in a service where his spirit is flowing and he's trying to touch your heart God's trying to speak a word to you God's trying to get you ready for what your week might hold 1 Thessalonians says that when the rapture of the church takes place, when Jesus comes back with a shout, He'll descend from heaven with a shout. And those that are alive and remain will be caught up. Caught up. I want you to notice the qualifications for going up in the rapture. You have to be alive and you have to remain alive. There are some people when they get born again, they were alive. Their praise was alive. Their passion for God was at an all-time high. They were on fire for God. But that's not enough. You have to be alive and also remain alive. Remain alive. Titus 3 and 5 says that we are saved by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, it's not just, it's not enough to have the Holy Ghost. You have to continually and constantly be renewed by the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have to get in some services where you get renewed, where you get a fresh anointing, where you get a fresh vision, where you get a fresh passion. I wonder what would happen if everyone in this church here today that's been born again of the water and of the the Spirit would get renewed here this morning. How long has it been since you've been in a Pentecostal altar and felt the presence of God pour down on your heart and your soul and you began to speak in another language that you did not know where you were refilled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? What if we stirred up the gift here today? What would happen? How long has it been since we've been in a service where we just left overflowing from His Spirit? When's the last time you spoke in tongues? The book of Acts is the diary and the record of the New Testament church in, in its infancy. It is the record of the operation of the Holy Ghost through yielded vessels. The book of Acts is the pattern for the New Testament church. Signs and wonders and miracles and the gifts of, the gift of the Holy Ghost are the defining characteristics of the New Testament church. In other words, to say it another way, the, the New Testament church acted just like Jesus acted. They healed the sick. They cast out the devils. They performed signs and wonders and miracles. And they raised the dead. They manifested the gifts of the Spirit all by the power of the Holy Ghost that was inside of them. If there is one thing that we need in our churches today and in our lives individually it is a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost we need a Holy Ghost invasion at Landmark Apostolic Church we need the Holy Ghost to crash our services we need a divine interruption from the Spirit of Almighty God we need the, sh we need the Holy Ghost to show up just like He did in the upper room suddenly and supernaturally undeniable and indisputable most of you here today 
You've been in, you've been in church for a long time. You've been around the block. You've seen, you've seen, you've seen God do wonders. You've seen God do amazing things. You yourself have been miraculously filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It is a miracle that God fills us with His Spirit. Amen. I thank God for His Spirit. But we've seen it. I feel right on this morning with, with the direction and everything that we've been going through as a church. It almost feels like since 2018 hit, like every Sunday has been a powerful service that God has been moving in a new way, in a fresh way. I'm telling you, God has something new for this church. It's not the year of 2017 anymore. I'm thankful for that year, but this is a new year and God has big plans for us. God has great things in store for us. Amen. His mercies are new every morning and I thank God for it but we've been in church we've been around the block we've seen God operate and I was so impressed last Sunday how we had our missionary here and we had we were having church the spirit of God broke out in our worship service amen and people began to flood to the altar and I believe there was so much restoration going on there was so much healing going on I mean and time will tell exactly what happened in that service but how many times have we been in a service like that before and we almost kind of wear ourselves out to where there is nothing left. I was so impressed at the response of the church whenever the missionary took to the pulpit. He preached his word. He promised he would be short and he stuck to his word. Amen. And he preached on the power of perception and how amazing that was and how you should see yourself and how you should see yourself in, in the view of God. And then the response of the church after his message I was blown away. I really did not expect that. And that's no, it's nothing against anyone here. It's nothing against the church. But how many times have we seen where the Spirit of God moved and we come to an altar during a worship service and we feel like that's it. I've, got, I've gone to the altar. That's all. But God still spoke through that minister and you responded in such a way that God began to move and God began to do things one more time before we left here. I'm here to tell you that that is here today. God wants to continue His work God wants to give you a fresh vision a fresh touch amen I don't want to be just satisfied with regular old church but I want the Spirit of God to fall in this church every single time we gather together we need the Holy Ghost we need spirit-led revival we need spirit-led services everything we do should be spirit-led most of you here today know and understand my hatred for sweet unsweetened tea it's kind of Lighten it up just a little bit for a moment. Most of you here know and understand my, my frustration uh, with unsweetened tea. It, it's just not the will of God that any man should drink of that. Amen? Jesus never turned the water into unsweetened tea. It's just a fact. Now, one time did he ever do that? But honestly, have you ever ordered tea and they brought you unsweetened tea? You ordered sweet tea, they brought you unsweetened tea. Did you burn that restaurant down, Brother Warren? It's, it's a curse. I know there are some people here today who are like, I, I really like unsweetened tea, Bryce. Th that's, a, that's a lie and the truth is not in you. No, I'm kidding, but sort of. Um, but there are, some that, there, are some that say, there are some that say they like unsweetened tea, and I'm like, how is that even possible? And they say, oh, oh, it's easy. I just, I just take that glass of unsweetened tea and I take my little seven little sugar packets and my four little, uh, uh, sweet and lows and maybe just a little bit of Splenda and I'll cut me up a whole lemon and I'll put all them slices of lemon in there and it tastes wonderful. 
Friends, if that's you here this morning, I got news for you. You don't like unsweetened tea. It's like people who tell me they like fish. And they're like, hey, you don't, I'm like, I hate fish. I don't like fish. And they're, they're like, oh, you need to taste this fish. It doesn't even taste like fish. Well, then you don't like fish. Don't give me that garbage. Don't try to dress fish up like chicken. It is not chicken. But here's what happens. Yes, you can have that glass of tea and pour all that stuff in there. Five packets of this, four packets of that. That's fine. But here's what happens. If you just let all of that stuff in that glass, if you just let it sit, if you put it in there and just let it sit, if you put all of that stuff in there and forget about it for just a little bit, the next time you go to take a drink, you are in for a real treat. Why? Because all of that stuff that you put in that drink to make it taste better, to make it appetizing, to make it pleasing to your taste buds, it is all going to fall and settle at the bottom of the glass. So what you have to do every once in a while is you have to take your straw and you have to stir up that glass just a little bit. You have to stir up all that stuff that you put on the inside. You have to take it and stir it up so it makes its way up to the rest of the liquid let me tell you you can have the holy ghost in you but if you don't ever stir it up amen if you don't ever stir up the gift that is inside of you that's why paul said you have to stir up the gift we don't we can't just come to church and float around life lukewarm but we have to stir up the power of god I believe that greater is he that is in me, but I have to stir that up every once in a while. All of that power is in us, but it's not doing any good if we don't ever stir it up. He didn't give you the Holy Ghost. He didn't give you the comforter. He didn't give you the power of God just to lay dormant in your life, church, but you have to stir it up. If you don't stir it up, it has no effect. It has no effect. Like Joseph's brothers that we read about in our text this morning. My goal is to convince you that Jesus is alive. Not only were they convincing him that Joseph was alive, but he was ruling and he was reigning. And let me tell you, Jesus is alive. And that's why we ought to get stirred up in our spirit. That's why you ought not be discouraged and defeated because your Savior is alive. He has conquered hell. He has conquered disease. He has conquered death. He is alive and He is ruling. I wish we still shouted about that from time and time again to understand that our Savior was not defeated. Amen. But three days later, the stone was rolled again and He came forth alive and well and he sits on the throne today reigning and ruling Jacob when he saw the wagons the provision that Jesus or that Joseph his son had provided he said these words he said it is enough it is enough I want you to think about this. He said, it is enough. I believe he jumped up on that wagon. His spirit got revived. He said, let's go. He is alive. He is well. Let's go. And I want to say to somebody this morning that your dream is not dead, that, that, that your vision is not dead, your promise is not dead, your ministry is not dead, the calling that God has placed on your life is not dead. We need to stop listening to the voice of the enemy and start listening to the voice of God. Let me tell you, the voice of the enemy is destroying our peace. It's destroying our hope. It's robbing us of victory. It deters us from stirring up the gift that is inside of us. It is destroying our faith. 
Listen to me this morning. The greatest challenge for God is not the attack of his foes, but it is the unbelief of his friends. The greatest challenge is not Satan. The greatest challenge is not the demons. The greatest challenge is the unbelief of his friends. In the last days that we live in, I do not want my faith in God to be laxed by any measure. Our faith puts no limits on God and God places no limits on our faith. Anytime we demonstrate faith, we're relying on something. When you sit in a chair, you're relying on the chair's manufacturer to produce something that will hold you up. When you're on the freeway, you're relying on every other driver around you. Faith in God means we rely on Him and we depend on His reliability. Having, ha- having faith means realizing that God is bigger, God is greater, God is better than me. And He loves me greatly. Proverbs 14 and 12 says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. And that is the problem, church, with relying on yourself. We're often wrong. Human intuition is not always reliable. In fact, it's just good enough to make us think we're right, even when we're not. But I want to trust Him. I want to trust in His power. I want to trust in His ability. I want to know that He is bigger, that He is greater, that He is mightier than I am, that He is alive today. For 20 years, Jacob was held captive by a coat, a bloody coat that had been dipped in the blood of a goat. For 20 years, he had lived in darkness. For 20 years, he had lived in depression. He said it in the scriptures. He said, I'll go to my grave mourning. For 20 years, he had sat around believing false evidence. You know why Joseph was hated more than anything else? It was because of his coat. You know what that coat did? That coat was so loud. That coat was so different that it made him separate. You know what the devil hates more than anything else when he sees us? Is if we're separate. Is if we are separate. If we're not like everybody else. Amen. I'm sorry, but there ought to be something different about you who call yourself a believer. There ought to be a coat that separates you. A a coat that says, I am free. I have been delivered. I have been redeemed. A coat that says, I'm not turning back. A coat that says, I'm not going back. But I'm going to make a difference. There ought to be something separate about your life. And when we lose our distinction, when we're just as carnal and just as fleshly and just as ugly and mean as the next person, Satan says this, he says, I got him. I got him. When there's no separation, when there's no distinction, when there's no gift that's being stirred up inside of us, when there's no passion for God, when there's no zeal, he says, I'll go to my grave mourning. Jacob says, I'll go to my grave mourning. The days of joy and laughter are over. I'll I'll, I'll get up every morning and I'll grieve. And for 20 years, that's what he did. And then one statement changed it. One statement. And that statement was this. Joseph is alive. Joseph is alive. And suddenly his spirit was revived. Suddenly, he begins to say, I'm going to see what I never thought I would see. I'm going to do what I never thought I would do again. What I love about this story is that God changes the name. You remember Jacob, the schemer 
the conniver. He and Esau were twins, and Esau came out first, meaning that he gets the double blessing since he is the firstborn. But the Bible says that when he came out, Jacob grabbed the heel. Later, when he gets older, he puts on a hairy coat because his brother was hairy and his dad was blind and he was dying. And he comes in and he says, bless me, dad, it's Esau. And he said, let me, let me feel your arms, son. Let me, let me, let me feel you. And, and he, had, he had this goat hair all over his arms. And, and, and he, was, he was a conniver. He was a schemer. He was trying to get the blessing. But the deal is he wanted it. He was after it. Later on, he's over by the river and he starts wrestling with an angel. He, and he's a heel grapper. He's an angel wrestler. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm desperate. And God said, no longer will your name be called Jacob but you'll be called Israel. Israel. And I want you to notice in in the Scriptures, our text this morning, when he saw the wagons, when he saw it, he seen what his son had sent. The Bible doesn't say the spirit of Israel was revived. It said the spirit of Jacob. Everywhere else he's called Israel after the change. But here it says the spirit of Jacob was revived. In other words, he returned to how he started out. For 20 years, he had been laid back. For 20 years, he had wanted nothing. For 20 years, he had been in depression. But now, not of Israel, but of Jacob. That heel grabber. That I'll get the blessing no matter what I have to do. That spirit in him got revived. Church today, there are many other churches that are plagued with mildness and calmness and mellowness and boringness and absent from the church is a rare dissatisfaction. That rare desperation. And notice in Romans where God says, and Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Esau says, yeah, I I get the birthright. I'm the oldest and... I'm not really worried about it. I know it's coming to me. But he said, Jacob have I loved. Jacob have I loved. God says there's something about the guy who wrestles with angels. There's something about the guy who is so hungry for more. God says the same thing here today. There's something so hungry about the one who wants more of me. There's somebody about that guy who loves me more than anything else. There's somebody about the guy who's so desperate in his spirit that he just wants another touch. Listen to me. God is not impressed with laid back Christians. God is not impressed with people who just come and sit down and they don't want anything. They're not hungry for anything. God says I look for a spirit of desperation. I look for a spirit of hunger. Somebody who is stirred up somebody who is saying I want more than I had before church that's what impresses him a spirit that says I've got to have revival 
A spirit that says, I've got to see my family saved. A spirit that says, I've got to see God move. Would you stand all across this place today? The Bible says, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent takes it by force. Well, I just came to church, and if, if God's going to do anything, I'm, I'm here. I'm waiting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait on the Lord. I'll be right here. God, any way you bless me, I'll be satisfied. However you want to do it, Lord. No, it says the violent takes it by force. Church, you will not get anything until you decide to be a heel grabber. You will not get anything until you decide to wrestle an angel. Until you say, no matter what, I've got to have a touch from the master today. No matter what, I've got to have an anointing on me today. And when you want it, God says, I love that. Desperation always precedes demonstration. The people in the, Bible, in the Bible who got miracles, you know who they were? They were roof rippers. That's who they were. They were tree climbers. They were crowd breakers. They were people like blind Barnabas who, who were like, Jesus! And they said, be quiet. He heard you and he cried the louder. People like Esther who said, I go to see the king and if I perish, I perish. If I die, I'm going to die. We need a desperation spirit like that. We need something besides normal religion. We want to have a move of God that drives people to their knees. That causes people to throw down the drugs and the alcohol. We need that revival. We need that spirit. We need that mindset as this church. God, more. 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 I close with this. There's an old Chinese proverb that says this. It says, the second greatest time, the second best time to plant a tree is right now. Because the best time to plant was 15, 20 years ago. But the second best is right now. When is the best time to stir up the gift? Right now. When's the best time to get a desperation spirit? Right now. When's the best time to hunger and thirst after righteousness? Right now. Church, when's the best time to have revival? Right now. Right now. Is there anybody that feels this with me here this morning? That desperation spirit of God, we want more of you. God, we pray that you stir up the gift that is inside of us. Lord, stir up that gift. Lord, stir it up. Stir it up, God. I don't want it to lay dormant. God, I don't want it to just to be in me and me never experience it again. But God, stir it up. Stir up that passion. Stir up that zeal. God, stir it up this morning. God, stir it up this morning. Would you just...